Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. This podcast is sponsored by Llama Naturals. I learned about Llama Naturals a few months ago, and I honestly wish someone had told me about them sooner. I always recommend that people get their vitamins from whole food sources, not synthetics. But I could never find a good option for my kids, until I found Llama Naturals. They have a full line of delicious gummies that are made with real fruit, no added sugar or sweeteners, plus vitamins from whole foods. They are USDA organic, vegan, gluten-free, and allergen-free. Plus, they are seriously delicious. You can save 20% off your first order by going to llamanaturals.com and using the coupon code JUST. J-U-S-T. My whole family loves them, but if you have a picky eater, they offer a money-back guarantee. Seriously, you should at least go to their site and compare their label against any other gummy brand out there. They are the best I've found. Again, it's llamanaturals.com. Kristen Files is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and master restorative wellness practitioner board certified in holistic nutrition. She is owner of Forest Creek Wellness, a boutique functional nutrition practice in Austin, Texas. Kristen is also a serious foodie, homeschooling mother of four, and classical educator. She is passionate about using real food as medicine and educating other mamas to do the same. She empowers exhausted women to reconnect with and nourish their bodies and their families in an enjoyable, sustainable way so they can make America healthy again. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I am really excited to have my guest on the show today. She actually spoke at a conference that I was at, and I loved her speech, loved it, learned so much, and I was like, my listeners need to hear from her. So I actually went up to her on the stage afterwards and said, could you come be on my podcast? My listeners just would love your information. So she is here today. So thank you so much, Kristen, for being here. I'm so glad to be joining you on your podcast. Thank you. Will you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure, no problem. Um, so first and foremost, I like to start with that I'm a wife and a homeschooling mother of four. So I am relatable. I have a busy life, just like most of your listeners do. Um, and then next, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, master restorative wellness practitioner, and I'm also board certified in holistic nutrition. Um, and then my involvement with Weston A. Price Foundation, I'm a chapter leader for the Austin, Texas uh, group. I've been in functional wellness for about 13 years since my fourth child was born. And I started self-educating because of my own alphabet soup of symptoms and diagnoses. Um, and I eventually decided that that was kind of as the internet was gaining traction. And all of a sudden you went from having no information to just this crazy plethora of conflicting information. So I wanted to get some credentials behind the things that I was learning and just like formalize my education and training. So that's how I got into practicing. I never really intended to practice. It was all for myself or my family and friends originally. Uh, and then I opened up my boutique brick and mortar practice over six years ago. And I see clients in person and online. And my focus by default has been adrenal health because that's something I struggle with and many of my clients struggle with. And I, I think most of the population these days, especially after the last few years. Uh, so I know what it's like to be perpetually exhausted, overwhelmed, and yet still needing to care for your family and people around you. And adrenal health, along with digestive health, of course, is really the key piece for my own recovery. It just made such a big difference when I started working on that. My kids think it's perfect that I specialize in adrenals because I talk to them about it all the time. <laughs> so they'll say, mom, this is going on. I'm like, oh, did you know about your adrenals? So it just kind of worked out perfectly. Oh, I love it. Well, adrenals were part of my um, health issues years ago as well. And like you said, I think more people are affected by their adrenals than they actually realize. And so I do want to talk to you today about adrenal health. But before we get started, I want to just start at the very basics, will you just tell the listeners what the adrenals actually are? Sure, no problem. 
So the adrenal glands are two tiny little triangle shaped glands and they sit just above your kidneys. And so renal is the medical term for kidneys and adrenal is the adrenals that sit just on top. And they're part of your endocrine system and they govern the stress response and they're responsible for so many things. There are over 50 hormones that we know of so far that are produced by the adrenals and um, they regulate things like metabolism, blood sugar balance, blood pressure, immune fat function, and then the fight or flight response, which is the thing that they're best known for. And then when we say hormones, I know that that can be kind of a scary thing for some people because hormones sound very complicated. And I think in a way they can be, but hormones are just chemical messengers and they travel through the bloodstream from the brain to signal function in various body parts. That's it. So, so do the adrenals produce the sex hormones as well? Uh, some of them, yes. Or like precursors to other sex hormones. And really from the time of birth to puberty, uh, sex hormone function is largely governed by the adrenal glands. And then when you hit puberty, then that goes to the sex organs because they're developed. And then when you go to menopause, that job is handed back over to the adrenals. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about cortisol because cortisol is produced in the adrenals, correct? Correct. It's primarily produced in the adrenals. So that is normal, healthy function. And then, you know, you can get into dysfunction where other tissues can produce cortisol if it's necessary. So that's why blood tests and, and things like that aren't always accurate. You always have to take testing in consideration with the um, diet lifestyle and symptoms that a client is presenting with. Okay. But cortisol. Yeah. Cortisol is super important and it's primarily produced in the adrenal glands. Okay. So I want to talk about cortisol and our adrenals when we're stressed because there's benefits to cortisol production, but then there's mm -hmm. also some issues when we have too much cortisol, correct? Correct. So I think it's probably smart to back up and talk about um, all the various things that the adrenals, like how they function to understand really cortisol's purpose and benefit. Let's do that. Okay. So adrenals are kind of complex because they never work alone. They always work in a group with other organs. And this is often referred to as the HPA axis. So HPA stands for hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenals, and they all communicate with each other. And the best way to kind of think of the way these organs partner up is uh, the thermostat in your house. So it works on a negative feedback loop. That's what we call it. And it sounds complicated, but it's simplified when you think of the thermostat in your house. So the hypothalamus is at the center of the brain and it's like the thermostat, right? It's constantly monitoring internal and external environment to see if there's a stressful situation and that if there's any change that is necessary or hormonal output that is necessary. So if it picks up on any kind of stress, then it will signal the pituitary gland to release a hormone to communicate with your adrenal glands. And so you can think of the pituitary gland like your air conditioning unit, right? Like the thermostat doesn't produce air. The air conditioning unit produces air. It produces a signal to release cold air through the vents, which is sort of like the bloodstream into your room. And so that <clears throat> ventilation where the air comes out and is released, that's how you can think of the adrenal glands. And it will produce cortisol. It also produces other things as well. So there's three layers to the adrenal glands and they have a cortex, which is three layers. And then there's a medulla, which is an inner center, center layer. So the three layers for the cortex, the outer layer produces minerals, mineral corticoids is what we call them. And they govern mineral balance. So that'll change your blood pressure, and if you think of a fight or flight response, like you're super stressed, you need to run away from whatever is causing you to be stressed. So blood pressure increasing is very important to get you moving. It pumps blood to the extremities so that you can get yourself out of whatever situation is causing you to be stressed. Then you have the middle cortex, which produces glucocorticoids, which govern glucose metabolism. And that's where you see the cortisol, which is right what we're talking about. And the purpose of 
the glucocorticoids is that we need energy and sugar is quick energy. So the body will begin to break down fats and break down proteins and turn them into sugar. And then it will produce cortisol to basically take away inflammation so that you can get moving, run away. It will put the immune system on the back burner because, you know, you just have to get yourself out of whatever situation there is going on. And then you have the third inner layer, which produces gonadocorticoids, which is your sex hormones that we were referring to a little bit earlier. And those will be on the back burner as well. Those aren't being produced quite as much if you're in a stressful situation. So that's the cortex. And the cortex is basically used in normal stress function. So you have the hypothalamus, which is like your thermostat, which is governing, you know, just monitoring the room for situation. Then it tells the pituitary, okay, we need to get out of this situation. Let's signal the adrenal glands. And then that will basically cool down the room, right? Like an, an air coming out of a vent cools down the room. And once the room is cool or to the temperature that you set it at, then the thermostat turns off. And the same thing should happen in your body. Your hypothalamus is like, oh, everything's great. I don't need to keep producing these things. I'm out of the situation. This is a very normal protective function. We're supposed to use it. So this idea of you should never be in a stressful situation is sort of unreal, unrealistic because we do actually need some stress. It, it's all about balance. And if the room never cools off, if you're thinking of an air conditioning situation, if, if it just never cools off, the temperature never cools down, there's constantly something that's causing it to be hot. So your body would be something causing it to be stressed constantly. Then that thermostat is going to monitor that and it's going to continue to output, right? It never turns off until the room cools off. And then if the room is always cold, then you will have a situation where the thermostat will never turn on. And that's kind of what happens. This is like a dysregulation situation. So if you're constantly producing cortisol and that's coming out and the room is, you know, your body is just having this circulate all the time, then the hypothalamus is not going to produce more. And then if you never have enough cortisol or you're using it up because you're constantly stressed and that's being tapped out, or you have blood sugar issues where it's being used constantly, then it's going to continue to produce and produce and produce. So that's kind of the beginning of dysregulation and cortisol and its function. And then what happens is we have extreme situations where we go outside of normal function. When we go outside of normal function, you have to talk about your autonomic nervous system. And this is a really important concept that I think a lot of people don't really understand in the health space. It's undervalued. Your autonomic nervous system is part of your peripheral nervous system. And it's basically, there's two states to it. You have a sympathetic state, which is your fight or flight response. And you have a parasympathetic state, which is your rest and digest response. And you cannot be in both at the same time. You're going to be in either one. You're either fighting, fleeing a stressful situation, or you're resting and digesting, not both. And when you get into this sympathetic response, <clears throat> then the amygdala in your brain, which is just like kind of a, an emotional center, it governs like psychological, environmental, physical things, but it's an alarm portion of your brain that gets set off. And it communicates directly with your adrenal glands. And so it bypasses all the function that we just talked about. And it communicates directly to the adrenal medulla, which is part of the layers of the adrenal gland, which I didn't go over. We have the three layers of the cortex, and then you have the adrenal medulla. And the adrenal medulla is nerve tissue. So it's, a, it's like a backup system that completely bypasses the regular function. And when the adrenal medulla is set off, it produces the things that we know, adrenaline, which is also known as epinephrine. So think of like that EpiPen and noradrenaline, norepinephrine. So this is like run, right? Mm -hmm. Run away from the lion or lift the car off the baby sort of a thing. It's, it's an emergency. And when you set that system off and it can also produce a little bit of cortisol. So it's putting cortisol into the system because we're stressed and the hypothalamus sees the cortisol. And so then it begins to downregulate because it doesn't need to produce it. You're using this backup system all the time. 
and that causes dysfunction as well. Cortisol is important because we use that in many situations medically to help calm down inflammation and immune system, but long-term over time, overproduce and chronically, then not only does it cause downregulation of other organs, which can affect other organs, but it also is catabolic. So it is breaking things down. And I talked about the glucocorticoids, their purpose is to break down fats and to break down proteins and turn them into glucose for use. If you're constantly breaking down, then you're never really building up. Does that make sense? Yes. So interesting. All of that that you said, and especially the analogy with the thermostat that makes a lot of sense. So (laughs) there's a lot to adrenals, obviously. It's very complex. So tell me the word adrenal fatigue is really trendy. And (laughs) I know, I don't think you like the term adrenal fatigue, so we can address that. I think you like, do you like adrenal dysfunction better? Um, I actually don't mind it. I think it's that it's really trendy right now for the functional health and functional nutrition community in general to say, oh, adrenal fatigue isn't actually a thing because adrenals don't actually tire out and stop producing they're just not getting the signal. So they can technically produce, therefore they're not fatigued. They're not tired. Adrenal, like true adrenal fatigue is a very rare thing where your adrenals can't actually produce the hormone. So that's where the term HPA access dysregulation or dysfunction is handy. And so you're starting to see a transition from in, in the health community, not like general population from this adrenal fatigue to this, you know, HPA dysregulation. I don't mind adrenal fatigue because I think it's kind of an accurate description. If you think of it as a descriptor of your symptoms and not necessarily your function, your adrenals are stressed and you feel tired, right? And so adrenal fatigue, it makes sense to me and it's an easy way to talk about it. Um, But the medical community will kind of laugh at you sort of haha if you use that term but if you were to tell them oh i think i might have hpa access dysregulation they might take you seriously and so like another thing that we do that with is leaky gut and if you say oh i have leaky gut you're kind of laughed at like oh that's not actually a thing but if you say i have intestinal permeability then people will begin to take you seriously it's the same thing it's just like layman's term terms regular language okay good to know so A lot of people then you think have this HPA access dysregulation. And is that because we just are living in stress all the time and we're not learning how to just calm down? Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, the hormones that we produce are the lens through which we see the world. So if you're constantly outputting stress hormones and you're going to start to see the world as stressful and then it sort of snowballs and that process will continue Um, but I I do think about it, even though I do think we have stressful lives right now, especially after the last few years with COVID that was been very stressful, you know, I think things have always been stressful. So what is it that is causing us to not handle stress well? And in my opinion, I think it's two things. I think it's lack of emotional intelligence and being able to really, uh, address situations and see them in a proper perspective. I don't think that we really teach people to do that well. And then I think also we start out deficient. So are you familiar with Pottinger's cats? I'm not. Okay. So Francis Pottinger is a contemporary of Weston A. Price. And all these guys, it's, there's all these amazing guys that practice in the early 1900s. And they have just this amazing, amazing studies and medical informations and insights that they have. And then they've just kind of been hidden or shunned like all their work. And so if you go back, it's really interesting. But Francis Pat- Pottinger did these cat studies where he would take cats and he would feed them denatured food, basically dead food diet. So, you know, cats in the wild, they're hunting animals, they're eating raw foods, they're getting glands, generally will drink milk and fresh water, those sorts of things. Um, but he would take them and feed them dead food. And the first generation of cats could handle it. Okay. They would have 
you know, some minor energy issues or maybe some mood energy issues, um, mood issues, or they would be a little lethargic or something like that, but they really weren't affected a whole lot. But then the next generation of these cats that were eating dead food were born. And so they struggled a lot more and you started to see their organ structure change, their bone structure change. They had all kinds of mental health issues. They were combative. And then he kept feeding those cats, the dead food diet. And then the third generation, they could no longer produce. They were completely antisocial. They were constantly irritable and angry. So it's like, we're, we're passing on, you know, not only our genetics, but we're passing on our genetic environment. And then we're eating the same foods that are dead and dying and so people are less and less able to handle things. So Watch interesting. Cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, there's a short YouTube video and it's super interesting. And then what the medical community has done is they're like, oh, that doesn't apply to humans because it. he just studied cats. He didn't do a human study, so it doesn't count. But like, I think we are the human study in some ways. Right. Uh, and, and what is interesting is they were infertile. So if you think of how many people now like have fertility issues or miscarriages? It's, it's very sad. And the diet has a lot to do with that. And the cool thing about his study is that he started feeding them live foods again, their proper diet for a cat. And after four generations, you didn't see any of that. So we do have the power to change it. So interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So obviously diet plays a role then stress plays a role in our adrenal health. So does diet. So is it just eating any whole foods that are nourishing to the um, adrenals or are there certain foods people should stay away from, certain foods they should add in? Well, I mean, obviously there's some bio-individuality, what, you know, what's going on with a particular person. But typically when I see my clients first, I tell them to really work on getting excess sugar and refined sugar out of their diet because the blood sugar system is so intricately tied with the adrenal glands. So we saw that, you know, cortisol can raise blood sugar because we need it to run, but blood sugar issues can also raise cortisol. So they're tied together. So like if you eat a whole lot of sugar and you get a sugar spike, then that's often followed by a sugar low and the pancreas doesn't have the ability to really tell the body to raise from a super low blood sugar state, like maybe moderately low, but not super low. And so if it's super low, then we're outputting cortisol, which is stressful and catabolic to the body to raise our blood sugar. And so people are constantly on this like up and down roller coaster, highs, lows, highs, lows, highs, lows. So I think really working on blood sugar and getting sugar out of the diet. And I know that can be really hard for some people because we have such a, a sugar saturated society. I mean, I, you know, like with your labels and stuff, it's just in everything it's in bacon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's crazy. everywhere. So that's hard. And so initially I would ask people to lower it, you know, to like 20 grams or less a day and then transition to healthful sugars, like maple syrup or raw honey or something like that and get blood sugar under control. And then after that, I would focus on the bad fats because the bad fats are very inflammatory and it's an inflammatory cascade. So like when you have a, a bad fat and it causes you to be inflamed, it, it just kind of, it cascades down into other areas of the system. So those are my two main things is lower the sugar, remove the bad fats. There's so many great fats that we can cook with. Like there's no reason to have canola oil or soybean oil in your diet because now it's, there's just so many choices. So interesting. So, can, can I ask you something about the blood sugar? Because I have talked about that on um, social media before. Mm -hmm. And we are a carb society where we eat a ton of carbs, you know, and especially carbs without a fat or a protein. And we know that just spikes the blood sugar and then drops it, like you said, a crash. So are the spikes of the blood sugar issues and the crashes both hard on the adrenals? Yeah, they're both hard because anytime you're asking an organ, any organ in the body to um, go outside of normal function, you're tapping out other organs that have to compensate for that dysregulation. 
So one of the things that I showed on my slides uh, for the Weston A. Price Foundation talk is Harrower's chart. And you can just Google it. It's everywhere. But Harrow's chart is really cool because it just very visually shows that, you know, we're this spider web that everything is connected to everything in multiple ways. So yes, if you're raising your blood sugar high, you're, you're tapping out your pancreas, you know, to deal with the insulin spike, which that pancreas also produces many other hormones and communicates with, you know, the adrenals and everything as well. So yeah, you're tapping that out even without the lows. Um, But if you have a high, you're typically going to have a low until you get to a certain point where your body's just not responding anymore. So it could be those that like women who are on diets who aren't eating enough, their low, Mm -hmm. their blood sugars can drop pretty low. And so then that's causing stress on the adrenals as well, which then really isn't benefiting them maybe in weight loss. Absolutely. And intermittent fasting is really popular right now. And if you're in a certain state of blood sugar and adrenal dysregulation and you're intermittent fasting and you get too low because your body's not functioning the way that it should, then you're using cortisol and that's going to cause yes, weight gain and all these adrenal issues. And you know, you're like, Oh, I'm intermittent fasting. This is healthy. This is good for me. And it's not. And you see this a lot more with women than you do men. Like it'll happen to men too, but women, because you know, we're just so delicate. Like we have so much more, our cycles are more intricate than a man's is, you know, and we need to be more careful about it. Like the, that window can't go as long until, unless you work on your health for a long time. So like if I have a client and I'm going to look at the blood sugar, I'm going to see where they're at. And maybe in the beginning, like I said, we're just lowering the sugar to 20 grams a day. We're still snacking. We're still doing those other things. Um, and we might incorporate practices to help deal with blood sugar. So like you can do all kinds of things to make that spike less. So one of the things you can do is like apple cider vinegar before meals can cause you to spike less moving after a meal can cause you to spike less the way in which you eat your food, like the order in which you eat your food. So if you have a plate in front of you, starting with your greens and vegetables and then eating your proteins and then eating your carbs can cause you to spike less, um, not having sugar on an empty stomach. So there's a lot of practices that you can do to support that. And I would do all those things. And then naturally as a person gets more into regulation, then they'll want to go longer between meals. You don't have to force it. You don't have to force intermittent fasting where you're starving and suffering and it's really hard. Does that make yeah. sense? I'm glad you said all okay. that because uh, in the health industry, like you know, or the wellness industry, whatever, there is a yeah. lot of talk about intermittent fasting and I've talked to guests about it and they say, we can't just say it's good or it's bad. It can't be extreme right. like that. It's bio-individual. So some people can handle it for 12 hours. Some can handle it for 16, you know, it depends Mm -hmm. on your metabolic health, your adrenal health, things like that. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about some other things that may affect the adrenals. Um, I get asked this question all the time. So I'm so curious for your answer. Caffeine. Does this play a role in (laughs) adrenal health? Yeah. Yeah. That's a real big one. It was funny after I gave that talk, like I think four people or their questions when they were waiting for me after were about coffee. Um, yes, caffeine can affect adrenal output. It's, I mean, it's, it's meant to make you like rev you up and get you to go. That's, that's its purpose. That's why we drink it is for energy. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not going to take a person's coffee away from them right away. That is never my first go-to because I think, just making changes in general is hard, especially if you're coming from a super sad, like standard American diet. Sometimes it'd be like, yeah, cut out sugar, all your sugar and cut out all your bad fats. And you can't even have caffeine either. Some people can do that. Like I, I can do that. Cause I, I like experimenting, but I think a majority of the population doesn't. So there are ways like the sugar, you can have it in, in a way that is more healthful to your body. So, um, limiting caffeine to before noon, Um, having your caffeine or coffee after you eat. So not having it on an empty stomach is huge. Like it makes such a, if you just experiment with yourself, you know, whoever's listening, have your coffee on an empty stomach the next day, eat a meal and have your coffee. You will sign, you'll see that you'll get much less jitters. It's, it's amazing. And just doing, you know, adding things to your caffeine. So to me, I, when I have coffee in the morning, I add 
a, you know, a decent amount of raw cream and I'll add some protein and I'll add some maca root, which is really good for regulation and blend that all up. And I have sort of like this coffee superfood is what I call it. I, I wrote a blog about it um, on my website, but it's like coffee superfood and things that you can add to your coffee to make them more healthful and like the blood sugar blunt the negative effects because I mean, caffeine isn't all bad. It does have some benefits. It's just that we've taken it to an extent where we absolutely abuse it in our society. So do you think that there's a certain milligram per day that people should aim towards or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I think that that is also bio-individual, but I will say I've never seen a healthy person, you know, who's really optimally healthy need more than a couple cups a day. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I got to a point where I just didn't need it anymore and I was a coffee addict. So as I worked on other things, it got to the point where, oh, I'm actually getting restful sleep. Oh, I can actually wake up in the morning. Oh, I actually feel happy. And so I don't even drink, I do drink coffee like decaf, but I don't drink caffeine anymore. And it's amazing when you can get to that point because then you're, you're not beholden to it. So like if we go camping and forget coffee, it's fine. I don't need it. Right. I, I drink it because I love it, not because I need it. And I think that's the point where I would want someone to get. But someone who's reaching for, you know, three, four, five cups of coffee, I would say that there's something going on. Why do you need that coffee? Generally, you're not doing it because it tastes good. Right. It's, you know, something else, some underlying root cause. Okay, mm -hmm. let me ask you, though, about all these moms. This is the one I get all the time is around two or three o'clock in the afternoon. I am so beat. I'm so dead. I can't even get off the couch. So I have to have like a big um, 64 ounce Diet Coke to get me going. Yeah. So my first question would be, what do you eat for breakfast? Right. So are you needing that 64 ounce of Diet Coke because you went and got the coffee and muffin at Starbucks for your breakfast? So really what what that is, is, you know, we're so addicted to refined carbohydrates that we get in the morning, this huge spike. And then that huge spike is followed for a, by a huge crash. And that is often that two, three o'clock slump, right? So we crash, then we have lunch, we spike it again, and then we crash again. But it's also, you know, it's blood sugar, but it's also adrenal dysregulation because they are going hand in hand because these ups and downs are stressful to the body. And then, you know, your mom, what other stress are you dealing with? Is, you know, your husband supportive or are you on your own? Are your kids fighting all day? Are you dealing with teachers? Are you working and managing a household? I mean, it can all be very, very overwhelming. So you have all these stresses kind of snowballing and compounding on one another. And, you know, it's just kind of, you got to unravel them one at a time and, I think there's a lot that you can do for your own health, but this is where it also comes in handy to work with um, a practitioner. Okay. And then, yeah, so, so I teach classes, they're called restart classes, and it's basically five weeks of like education on how your body interacts with food. And so we spend one week on like mindset and <clears throat> preparation. We spend one week on digestion. We spend one week on blood sugar health. We spend one week on fats and inflammation. And then we, one week, of um, like a sustainable, just for you diet. Like I don't do fad diets because every person has, you know, their bio individual and have things that really um, make them feel better or worse. And in the, in the middle of it, we do a, a sugar detox together. And so, you know, I talk about a lot of that in there and like how, how to manage it and, and unravel it piece by piece. But one of the things that we talk about in week one is, um, have you heard of Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies framework? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell so, my listeners what it is? Okay. So I love her four tendencies framework just because it was so beneficial for me. So she has four tendencies in relation to internal and external goals. So you can be a rebel, you can be an upholder, you can be an obliger, and you can be a questioner. And so like a rebel, he doesn't care about expectations, internal or internal. It's just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. So if you're a rebel, you can be like, okay, I'm doing holistic 
nutrition and functional nutrition because nobody else is doing it, right? Like, so such a small part of the population is living this way. So it is kind of rebellious in a way. If you're an upholder, you really need a plan. And so that's where kind of working with a practitioner is helpful because it's like, here's step one, two, three. You just, you just needed someone to give you the plan and, and you can follow it on your own. The questioner needs to know the why behind the plan. So I can tell you about blood sugar issues and like what you should eat, but you want to know why, and that can help you to stay accountable. And then you have the obligers, which is a huge portion of the population. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not an obliger because I'm, I'm not a people pleaser. I don't care what people think about me, but obligers, what they do is they put everybody else before themselves. So the outside external goal is met before the internal goal. And I do this all the time. Like I have things that I want to do for myself and in my business, but it's like, oh, I need to help my husband or I need to help my kids or, oh, this friend over here needs help or clients or whatever. Right. And so that's where it's beneficial to work with someone. So it's not like just a, a shameless plug. Like I need that accountability. And so for me, if I paid for something, I will do it because <laughs> that's like my external goal, right? Like I paid for something, I have to do it. Or if I join a class, I have to do it. Or if I join a gym, I have to do it. And I think that that is really powerful to kind of know where you lie on that spectrum and then apply it to your health. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I think a lot of women are obligers because yes. they want to take care of their kids. And like you said, um, their husband, mm -hmm. the house, things like that. But that does cause that extra stress or can cause that extra stress on the adrenals. And so, um, mm -hmm. yeah, working with a practitioner can be really helpful. I want to ask you just a couple more things about what affect the adrenals. And then I'm sure. going to ask you about how we can help the adrenals more know if we have adrenal issues. So sure. um, we talked about diet, stress, caffeine. What about sleep? Does sleep affect the adrenals? Oh, absolutely. Sleep affects the adrenals because if you're not sleeping well, then you're not detoxing well. So we have the lymphatic system of the body, which is basically the garbage man. And we need to move our lymphatic system by moving. So, you know, walking, deep breathing, rebounding, um, exercise in general, all those things move the lymphatic system so that all the cellular debris can be, you know, flushed out of your system and disposed of. I think most people are familiar with like lymph nodes and things like that. And they swell when you get sick. That's because they're working overtime because there's more toxins that need to be taken care of. Well, you have a lymphatic system in your brain, which they just discovered. I know. <laughs> crazy? That, like, yeah. <laughs> Some other cultures have been teaching about it for thousands of years, but never mind. So anyway, that when you sleep, that is when that brain detoxifier is most active. And, you know, your body is, I mean, your brain is bathed in melatonin. It sort of shrinks down a little bit to allow all these things to be flushed out. So they all have a purpose. And if you're not detoxing, you are stressed. Mm -hmm. Any toxin in your body is going to be stressful on the body. So that's, you know, our body can't differentiate between like, oh, stress, I'm running from the lion and oh, stress, I have this toxin in the body constantly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it treats modern stressors as if they were primitive stressors. That's really interesting because I feel like most people's bodies are overburdened with toxins. Therefore, being yeah. overburdened with toxins, everybody is in a sympathetic state then of stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's and crazy. Even yeah. And then even if you think of like your demographics, so busy women and moms, right? If you are like multitasking while you're eating, so you can be in the parasympathetic rest and digest, or you can be this, the sympathetic fight or flight, not both. Right. So if you're multitasking while you're eating, so if you're like serving the kids or breaking up fights or driving, or, you know, dealing with this stressful assignment from your boss, whatever that is fighting with a spouse, who knows? then that's going to be treated like a primitive stress stressor and you're going to be in sympathetic state. And if you're in sympathetic state, you don't need to digest your food. You need to escape. Mm -hmm. And so even that's a stressor, right? right? So multitasking and just constantly being on the go and not being mindful about the things you're putting on the body, all of that matters, or even emotions are just huge. Big stressors. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So interesting about sleep and detox and toxins. 
Um, what about, though, illnesses or autoimmune disease? Do they impact the adrenals? I mean, again, I think almost everything. There's so, so the adrenals are just kind of, it's tied to everything. <laughs> like, I really got to look at that heroin's chart. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you have an immune issue, is it because of your immune issue or is it because of your adrenals? Like it's a chicken and the egg. So if you have this issue, then yes, it's stressing out your adrenal glands, but deficient adrenal function also makes you more susceptible to immune stuff. And then you kind of get into that, you know, catch 22 or snowball. They all influence one another. Yeah, absolutely. So you said immune and what was just one? any illness. Yeah. And cause that's the same thing. Like we're talking about toxins and if you have illnesses, bacterial, viral, parasitic, fungal, those are all basically toxins within the body. Makes sense. Okay, mm -hmm. so I know these listeners are listening and they're thinking, okay, we've heard about all the things that affect the adrenals, but how do I know if I have adrenal issues? Like, I know they're wondering, is it only fatigue? Is it something else? How do they know? Um, so there's many things. Uh, the hallmarks is symptoms of adrenal dysfunction would be exhaustion and overwhelm. So if you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed, it doesn't mean you have adrenal dysfunction, but that's something that you definitely would want to dig deeper into. And then many other things kind of fall under that. So loss of motivation and creativity, um, vision issues, lack of light tolerance. So um, that's actually a diagnostic. You're Adrenal glands govern the um, contraction of your iris in response to light. And so if that isn't functioning well, then your adrenal glands are not working well. Um, so you think of like, can you go outside without sunglasses? And if you, you think, oh, it's so bright, especially because I'm in Texas, right? It's so bright. You need sunglasses. But if you look at beach pictures from the 60s and 70s, nobody wore sunglasses. Like that's mm. what is common isn't normal. Um, so that's a huge thing is the light dizziness. It's a big thing. So like if you go from sitting to standing and you get dizzy or just random dizzy spells that are unexplained by something else, often tied to adrenal dysfunction, alignment issues. So if you go to a chiropractor and you can't hold your adjustment or you constantly have a short leg that um, can't be adjusted, like it doesn't work when you adjust it, they want you to wear an orthotic or something like that or crooked hips, then that's a sign of adrenal stress. And that's actually something because I do muscle testing in my office that I use as a diagnostic. So, um, you know, are your hands even, are your feet even, are your hips even? If not, then we do need to support the adrenals. And I can actually put like the supplement on the body and see, does this even you out? So that's pretty cool to see like right in front of your eyes that a proper nutrition can help you even out right away. Oh, that's Brain so, fog. so interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's let me, super interesting. Let me say one thing really quick. At that convention I went to, you had said that about the sunglasses and the sun hurting your eyes. And right after your class was lunch, and I went outside with my friend who I was there with, and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so bright out here. I need my sunglasses. And I was like, oh, you might have the <laughs> HPA access dysregulation. So yeah. um, that's interesting you said that. But did you have any more symptoms before I m ask you about muscle testing? Oh, yes. Okay. okay. So real quick, brain fog, weight gain, cravings, immune issues, and reproductive issues. Interesting. So a lot of people that are dealing with infertility may not mm -hmm. even be addressing their adrenals. It's huge. Yeah. And weight gain. I did know that one because women will complain all the time about in their like early 40s about all this weight gain. And it really mm -hmm. could be an adrenal issue. Yeah. And you're doing all the exercising and cutting the calories and you're still not budging. Yeah. That's a sign of adrenal health. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you touched upon muscle testing. What is mm -hmm. muscle testing exactly? I mean, it's super cool. And I was actually a skeptic. So I know a lot of people think of like muscle testing as this like new age woo woo sort of a thing. And it's not, <laughs> it's actually scientific. Um, but we know basic A and P to move a muscle in the body, it receives a message from the brain. Like that's very simple. We know that happens. Well, the innervation from the brain to the muscle happens through a particular organ. So almost every organ in the body, a uh, muscle in the body is related to an organ in the body. So what I'll do is I will challenge a muscle 
And it's just a very light push. It's not a test of strength. It's communication. So that's what we call a challenge. And if I push on your arm and you cannot maintain a contraction and match my pressure, then it's a sign to me that the organ related to that muscle is in dysfunction. So for example, your quad, which is really interesting because like I do CrossFit and so many people in CrossFit have like quad or hammy issues. If it's not functioning well, then that's a sign to me that I need to support the small intestine. And it's so cool because when you support the small intestine, all of a sudden you strengthen up and I, and I put like, I lean into it. So I'm putting all, it's a light touch, but you know, I can put all my weight into you and you should be able to maintain that contraction. And if you can't, you can't. <laughs> and so people are really, it's, it's nice feedback for the body to see it respond in that way. And then you can support the organ in three ways. So you can like for the small intestine, for example, you could rub your small intestine, like rub your belly and it will strengthen you, but you can't go around all day rubbing your belly. Cause that would be totally weird. So you can put the proper nutrition on there. So by nutrition, it, it's a supplement and I use food-based supplements in my office, or you could put a food if you wanted to bring that in and that will strengthen you, or you could put a pathogen on there. So virus, bacteria, parasite, fungus, and so like strengthens likes. So you could use that kind of diagnostic. I don't diagnose or treat disease because that's not in my scope of practice, but it's something that I can use when formulating a program, even though I can't really articulate that with my client. Oh, so um, interesting. And, mm -hmm. and then what's cool is, so like, this is kind of what pushed me towards adrenals and then HPA access in particular, because if I support the adrenals with a supplement, then all these other muscles will strengthen in response. So it's not like you have to go and support every single organ. If you can find that root cause, then just supporting that, it gives your body the ability to do what it needs to do in other places. And then especially like, you know, with adrenal glands, which I'm sure this question is coming is what can I do to support my adrenal glands? Right. And there's all these herbs and things that you can take to support your adrenal glands. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But is that what needs the support or is it the hypothalamus or the pituitary? And mm. so as a nutritional therapy practitioner, we kind of think in north to south and what comes first. So I would ask, okay, is the hypothalamus in function? Is the pituitary in function? Is the adrenals in function? And then support whatever needs it. But if I support a hypothalamus, then sometimes I don't need adrenal supplementation. So again, that's kind of a plug of working with somebody and somebody who knows what they're doing. So when you do muscle testing, can you tell if the hypothalamus needs help? Mm -hmm. So which yeah. muscle are you pushing on? You actually, so you can't push on a muscle. You do what's called like an indicator muscle. And so I will hold the hypothalamus point in the middle of the forehead and then just use your arm. Oh, I've seen that done before. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants muscle testing done, I'm sure not the regular doctor does that. So no. just Google someone that does muscle testing in their area. So that's really hard too, because there's this trend, like muscle testing is gaining traction. So it went from being like this kind of new age, woo woo weirdo thing to, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And people want to learn it. And I have taken courses where in one weekend, a girl will come in and she will learn a little bit about muscle testing and then go and use it in practice. And it's scary because like, I'm thinking of one person particularly, like she didn't even know where the organs in the body were. Like she didn't even know basic anatomy. And, um, you know, you, you, there's this idea of transference. So, um, even like my state, I can transfer onto a client and a client can transfer on to me. And so you have to be real careful of that. Like you want a healthy practitioner, you want an experienced practitioner because, you know, your anatomy does matter. You have very specific places in the body that need to be stimulated and there's no like certification. I've learned from Louisa Williams. She does kind of a version of it called matrix reflex testing. So somebody who practices that and maybe has been in practice for a while, Dr. Klinghart does autonomic response testing. And so he has a really neat framework. 
And there's just different people who offer courses. I've I've taken courses for about three or four years just because I find it fascinating. And, and now I'm assisting my chiropractor in to dig a little deeper in a different about modality. But yeah, you got to be careful. Not just everybody should okay. be muscle testing you. <laughs> well, so you need to do your research basically is mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Okay. Yeah. I know you just said everybody's going to want to know how they can support their adrenal health, which mm-hmm. we do. We want, I mean, we know that we're supposed to get rid of the sugars and eat whole foods and not mm-hmm. be as stressed and get some sleep and exercise, all those things that we've talked about. But I know they're going to say like, are there herbs? Are there supplements? Because mm-hmm. right now it's really trendy on like TikTok and Instagram to make adrenal cocktails or to take certain things for the adrenals. So what do you suggest? Okay. So there's a few things. Um, number one, I'm not a huge fan of adrenal cocktails because most of the ones I've seen are based on like an orange juice, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of sugar. And we talked about sugar regulation with adrenal regulation. So I, I don't like the adrenal cocktails. I mean, I'm sure there's a variation that you could make that could be maybe healthier if you added some fats or something to it. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, you're treating a symptom, not the root cause. Every time I see those adrenal cocktails, I'm like, please tell me how this helps your adrenals. Yeah. Do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not a big fan of adrenal cocktails. Um, and then as far as herbs for functions, you, you have to be careful because like we didn't really get into, but there's categories of dysfunction that you could recognize. So like one of them is the wired person. And so that's just someone who's kind of going all day, you know, go, go, go. They never stop hyper-focus, maybe struggling with anxiety and insomnia and restlessness, ADD, ADHD, that sort of a thing. And so if you're a wired person, then you're going to want to get things that calm you down, right. And like downregulate that, um, overactive cortisol response. And so then things for that would be like ashwagandha or reishi, vitamin C, taurine. Um, there's a supplement I really like to use for that kind of person. And it's called phosphatidylserine. And you take that at night to just, it really helps with like overactive thinking right before bed so that you can then get the good sleep so that you can detox and support your body. Chamomile tea, passion flower tea, things like that. And then you have kind of like your wired and tired person, which is sort of an oscillating pattern. So like sometimes they're overactive and sometimes they're underactive and tired. And a lot of times that's flipped. And so this person's like, really hard to get going in the morning, but like at night they get a second wind and they can't sleep well. Um, and that's that like crashing after lunch is often in that, um, wired and tired category. We were talking about that earlier. Um, and they just kind of willpower their way through everything. Like it's just based on willpower and you have to do it. And, you know, you can only handle that for so long because it is taxing and reliant on caffeine and things to get you going. And so for that kind of person, you're going to do you're going to want to do something that is more adaptogenic. And so adaptogenic means that it's going to support you if you're upregulated and support you also if you're downregulated. So it kind of goes either way. A supplement I like for that, that I often use is ADHS, which is um, by Biotics Research. And there's just so many good things in that when a client takes that, they feel really good and it, it can help a lot with mood issues as well. Uh, but herb-wise, things like rhodiola, cassandra, ginseng, maca. I like to put maca in my coffee. It's really yummy. And maca is good with like some fertility issues as well. And it can be an aphrodisiac, which is also nice sometimes. Um, and then you have your um, just tired. Like this is kind of the burnout stage where like, I just cannot get going. I can't function. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to get dressed, just constantly needing to nap. You're in survival mode. And so these person, these people kind of have nothing to give. And so that's where you would want to use a more stimulating uh, supplement like cordyceps or glandulars. I use, you know, speaking of the HPA axis, I use a glandular called cytosine PTHPT. So it's actually hypothalamus pituitary glandular to support the whole thing. And, uh, you, I, I can't ever say that one, but that one's really good as well. So the thing you have to kind of be careful of is not just saying, okay, I have adrenal issues. I'm going to just take this adrenal supplement because some upregulate you, some downregulate you. So if you're under functioning and you go and take 
a supplement that calms you down, you're going to further drive dysfunction. So that's where it comes in handy to do some testing or work with somebody um, to see where on the spectrum that you might lie and then supplement for that. Yeah, when you talked about that at the convention, I was floored. I was like, oh, I thought if you just had adrenal issues, you, you know, mm-hmm. felt tired and brain fog and all these different things. And I didn't realize there's three different types. But then mm-hmm. when you were describing the three types at the convention, the first one, wired, I was like, oh, that's me. And then the second <laughs> one, when you're like wired and tired, I was like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and then when you're like burnout, I was like, well, that's sometimes me. So what happens when you feel like you're in all three? Just find a practitioner to help you? Yeah. And 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 that's not uncommon because I actually identify with some of, well, except for wired because I've never had energy. <laughs> um, but the other two categories, like I totally identify with. And so that's the thing, like people want to throw out this particular framework because, you know, there could be three categories. There could be five, there could be seven, like there's different ways to look at it and, you know, break it down or it's not, um, progressive, right? So like you could go from one to the other, just depending on what's going on in your life and, you know, where you're like, how you're supporting your body. So, you know, a lot of people think of it as one, two, three, and it's not that way. And because it's not that way, you have practitioners who just want to throw out the framework altogether, but it's still a very useful framework. Uh, you just have to kind of think about it in context with everything else that is going on in your life. So I would take a history and ask you a lot about your symptoms and your past and what, how were you supported, you know, nutritionally and emotionally growing up? Do you have any sort of trauma, those sorts of things? And all of that plays into this picture. Um, but you could also do a cortisol, a salivary cortisol test, which is where you take your saliva four times a day. And it will put out a pattern that will show you kind of where you're at. Again, it's not perfect because cortisol can be produced in areas besides adrenals and it's not always circulating. So it has to take be taken in context with symptoms, but it's a great thing to know. So like, I know that I was in that wired and tired at a particular point because I took this test and my pattern was completely upside down because you have a natural pattern where you should have high adrenal output in the morning to get you up and to get you going. And then it wanes throughout the day. And then in the evening it tapers down so you can go to sleep. And then around like 6am it picks up again. And so I was like not producing anything in the morning. And like when it was time to go to bed, I was just way up there. Yeah, I've done yeah. that. I've done that test myself. I did it actually years ago when I was dealing with my depression. And same mm-hmm. when we got the results, the doctor was like, Oh, goodness, you are upside down. Your cortisol is high when it should be low and it's low when mm-hmm. it should be high. So it is interesting just to see where you're at, because that can cause a lot of different health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a question for you. If listeners start eating whole foods and sleeping and exercising and maybe seeing a practitioner and taking the right supplements or herbs, is it a long time for adrenals to recover or are they pretty bounce back and start working pretty soon? Or it just sort of depends. Again, I think it depends on the person and how aggressive you are. Like, you know, if you're not real dedicated to it and you're just doing it slowly, your progress is going to be slower. But, um, when my brother had cancer. He went to an iridologist and she gave him this framework that I've kind of adopted into my practice. And I really like, and she says, uh, for, for any program, you're talking about 90 days. Cause that's like full cellular turnover. So minimum 90 days for anything. And then beyond that, you would add a month for every year that you've been sick. Oh, wow. So okay. Yeah. So I've been sick for, you know, 30, I was sick for like 30, five years of my life. So, you know, 35 plus that add that three, it wouldn't be unrealistic that I would want to focus on my adrenal health for a few years. Oh, that's, and a, then that's a good mm-hmm. little calculator. Yeah. And then with fats, like every cell in your body is made of fat. And so if you have a poor fat or like low fat vegan diet, if you're doing that, then that could take up to seven years. So some people are like, oh, I'm eating all these great fats. I don't see any change. Well, first of all, it could be a really long time before you change like every single cell in your body over to a, you know, good quality fat. But also are you, you know, just because you're getting them doesn't mean you're digesting them. So that's something also that you have to look at as well. 
True. And that's a whole nother topic about digesting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And, and, but I will say, sorry. So like one of the things I do in my classes is we will take a 350 question questionnaire and it will put out like a graphical input output of what your health looks like. And so it's a bar graph of different areas in digestion, adrenals and vitamin need and stuff like that. And then we do a three week sugar detox together. And then we retake this test. And, um, when people take this program, I tell them like, just do food only just do food at first, take out the toxins, add in nutrients and, and nutrition. And, um, the difference in changing your diet, because you might need time to reverse, but you can halt progression. Hmm. Right. And so, uh, that's, I mean, and you start to feel good right away. Now you might regress a little bit because there's some correction needed, but I mean, I've, I've taught hundreds of people and every single time, like their graph improves and it, it looks great just with food alone. So there is a lot you can do with food and some certain lifestyle tweaks and tests. So it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I could ask you so many more questions, but we're at our, our time And so I do want people to realize, though, that if they have, because we didn't really talk about this much, if they have hormonal issues, it might just not be that they're high on estrogen or low on progesterone. It Mm -hmm. might be something more downstream, meaning they need to work on their HPA access or give their adrenals some more support, correct? Correct. So you have a, a precursor hormone that can be used to make your sex hormones or that can be used to make cortisol. And your body will always prioritize making cortisol over making sex hormones. So if you're constantly using this precursor for the stress response and the stress in your body, then all your other hormones are going to be out of whack. Okay. And so instead of just replacing them, you want to get down into that root cause. Okay. That's what I was getting to is that the adrenals could be the root cause to these hormonal Mm -hmm. issues because- I have so many women, I took a poll the other day on my Instagram saying like, do you think that you have hormonal imbalances? Um, and it was 90% of the women said yes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think they just think like, well, how do I lower my estrogen or how do I raise my progesterone? Things like that, rather than going further downstream and being like, oh, maybe it's my adrenals and my stress and cortisol that are playing a role. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's kind of the medical mindset. So that's the way we've been trained and taught. And then the thing that's scary is if you go and replace, like if you're artificially adding in this precursor hormone, then you're sort of adding fuel to the fire. Like you're giving more for that cortisol production, right? When maybe your body downregulated that to, to kind of deal with this issue that's going on. So it can get pretty bad, like depending on what you do. So interesting. I have so many more questions I could have asked you. I know. <laughs> but um, to wrap up, is there anything or any tips that you want to share with people who might be struggling with their adrenal health? I think really just cleaning up your diet and taking out the toxins as much as you can, because that's the foundation of everything. If, if you can't out supplement a poor diet, you just can't. So if you're constantly adding fuel to the fire, then it, it just, it doesn't matter how many herbs you take. It's just not going to get better. So we need to calm down that fire and so not true. be fueling it. And then I think also not downplaying the, you know, spiritual, mental, emotional aspect that goes into it too. Cause I think when people think of hormones and adrenals, it's like, Oh, it's just this physical thing. And it is, but is it affected by the other parts of your health as well. So true. So true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to teach us about adrenals, the HPA access dysregulation. I know the listeners have learned something today. So thank you so much. Um, I always end my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? You know, this is funny. I I knew this question was coming. I've been thinking about it over and over and over. Um, And, you know, I think community is super important. I think knowing that you have a purpose is super important. But I think just one of the things that I like to educate people on is knowing that your health is in control. Mm. That You're not a victim. There are things that you can do. You're not stupid. It's, It's that you don't have the right, right tools. And so just never give up, be a lifelong learner 
And I feel like when you purpose to do the right things for the right reasons, then um, God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, will put in your path the things that you need. And so every time I came to a situation where I was at a standstill, I would find a, a practitioner or a course or something that would help me and by extension help my clients. So I think not that just getting rid of that victim mindset and, and realizing that you are powerful and that you can take responsibility and that you can affect change and, and do things for yourself is really important. I absolutely love that. I have done over 100 episodes on this podcast, and no one has said that as their best <laughs> ingredient, that they can be in okay. control of their health. So yeah. I love that one. It's completely different than what people have said. And I agree so much because too many times people just play the victim role and I'm, mm -hmm. are like, well, I'm just doomed with this. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. So I love that you say you can yeah. be in control of your health and find the changes, find the help, find what you need to feel better. So Thank you so much for saying that. And will you tell my listeners where they can find you or your courses? Sure. Um, so the best place to find me would be my website, which is forestcreekwellness.com. Um, and there's a link on there where you can book a discovery call for free, or you can join my weekly newsletter, which I'm not like a salesperson, so not going to be spamming you on that. Uh, you can find a little bit about me online. So I have a Facebook page and group, which is also Forest Creek Wellness. And then Instagram, I'm really not into being on my phone all the time because I had a phone addiction that I was break, trying to break. So I'm there sometimes there's some information. And then, you know, you could always email me, which is Kristen at Forest Creek Wellness. Thank you so much. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. I know the listeners have learned a lot, so thank you. Uh-huh. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 